Hello and welcome to the Professional Horror Podcast, the podcast that only comes out on the full moon. I am your host, the wonderful and very pretty Chris Donovan, and I am joined by not one, but two special guests this episode. The uh, Bridget and Ginger to my Sam, it's Megan Pendergast and her sister Julia Pendergast. How's it going, friends? It's going good. How about you, Julia? Yeah, it's going good. Nice. How about you? I'm just dandy, as a matter of fact. We're talking about movies, you know? Y'all may remember Megan from her previous appearance on the Professional Horror Podcast, where we discussed The Shining, but Julia is making her first appearance on the show, and I, for one, am stoked to have y'all on with me to talk about this movie. Talking about Ginger Snaps today. Yes, thank you for having us. Yes, uh, I'm impressed by your radio voice. Me too, it's really great. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) I'm like alternately like nasally, but then also kind of low pitched. It's it's an interesting combination. It took a few episodes to uh, to boil it down to my my uh, performance voices. But hey, but since it's the first episode in ages, because I'm just the best at being productive, we're going to start off with our old classic First Blood, which if you've listened to the show before, you know how it goes. We ask everyone their favorite horror movie and their favorite subgenre of horror movie, so that way you guys can get a nice little insight into how we view horror movies, so you know where what perspective we come in through, you know, when we break down this movie in particular. Me, I'll go first, just you know, off the bat, if this is your first episode, you haven't heard me say it a million times by now. My favorite horror movie of all time is 1984's A Nightmare on Elm Street, and my favorite sub-genres are slashers and creature features. We so, love Megan, creature features! I, yes. <laughs> I have an entire dvd case just stacked full of like b creature features and it's just that's the thing of beauty julie and i were recently um i'm sure stoned and looking through like amazon and hulu and everything and julie i think was was chanting creature feature (laughs) creature feature so i I did my best (laughs) yes they're the best it's funny because it's like, I wonder what I responded the first time because it, it is for me, like it changes a lot. I think right now, and let me know if this doesn't count because it's also a comedy, it would be what we do in the shadows. Oh, it I counts. Think. It's vampires. I'm, I, it's I count like, that. So it's like that, like it's probably right now, top of mind, my favorite um, nice. horror movie. I also want, but Julie, Julie and I have been re- getting into slashers as well. We've been watched. We watched five of the twelve Friday the Thirteenth so mm-hmm. far, and they really are remiss in not having a thirteenth because that would True. that would make so much sense. Yeah, they're mired in lawsuits right now, so they can't with a uh, copyright ownership because the writer of the first film reclaimed ownership after like thirty five years, mm-hmm. which you can do through the law, but. The director is like, no, he's an employee. He's not a freelancer. And they're like, that's not how contracts work. But he keeps fighting it. And then he was like, well, he just wrote the first one. He didn't write Jason as the mass slasher. So he doesn't own that. And it's just like. Well, it was interesting how long it took them to develop Jason into like it is. what we know him as. So that's very interesting. What's a really fun fact about the, the lawsuit. There's this one entertainment lawyer who's been like breaking down lawyer speak on Twitter for all of us horror people who are like, I don't know what any of this means. Mm-hmm. This lawyer used to be an actor, and he was Shelly in Friday the 13th Part 3. And that fucker. That fucker! <laughs> and that's where Jason got the mask. Yep. That's oh, where wow. he got the hockey mask. He was whatever you call it. Oh, the... that's cool. Yeah, and he's the one who's just he's like... before then. Yeah. He's like translating legal speak online for all of us who don't know, and it's really oh, it's a really cool. kind of fun thing. Of course that nerd is a nerd. <laughs> 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 
much for acting. So I'm happy that he found a new career path. Yeah. <laughs> Me too. And I'm also happy that like, you know, he's, that's like, oh, to be killed by Jason and get the Halloween mask taken off of you is a uh, pretty epic way to go out. Oh, yeah. And then, so I guess it's slasher. And then I like psychological as well. Mm-hmm. That's hard. Favorite horror movie. I'm going to go with The Exorcist. Oh, mm. it's so the best horror movie I've ever seen. It's really good. But it's like, I wouldn't, I couldn't, I don't think I could watch it again. I was so scared. I cried. <laughs> I was so afraid. Like, I, I was very afraid of that, but it was great. And What's um, weird about The Exorcist for me is like, I watched like all of the Exorcist, all of the demonic things, just like straight face. Like, this is good. This is really good, but it didn't do anything for me. Yeah. What got me was that MRI scene where they have where her like, blood's like falling, flying oh, out of the yeah. tube. I was just like, yeah. Ugh. final tap fucked up Ugh. that was very scary and also the demonic things very much scared me as well yeah. <laughs> i couldn't believe like, how much it held up yeah it was really good i it's didn't really expect good. to like it as much as i did and I, I really liked it but like that i was also second tied was the shining I love mm-hmm. great movie in the book too great didn't you do that on the shining i did i did on the shining. <laughs> so we talked about the book versus the movie yep. and i and i think i landed on the movie like in the movie a little but i love but it's hard to yeah. say because i love both the both yeah the shining is like this weird like i don't know otherworldly thing in horror it's just such a paradox of a film to me i don't know i don't even find it scary honestly really yeah. like it's like you know building I, dread and all that but i find yeah. it like so interestingly done like i think it's like one of the few movies that i watch where it's not even just every scene it's like every like shot mm-hmm. i find like it's like it's very interesting every like it's so like visually kind of stunning and like really interesting to watch and then things are going on in the background so i think that that's like a really interesting layer to it as well yeah there was just a thing today carrie fukunaga i think oh, hope yeah. pronouncing that name he was originally going to make an adaptation of it yes, and it was in production that. for a while and then it just the wheels fell off and then we got the one the version that we got he just mm-hmm. today came out with a thing who said like if i were to, to have done it, it would have been more of a dramatic horror like the shining and i my first thought was what does that even mean the shining is such a very specific movie that anytime anyone says it's like, like the shining i'm like it's either a ripoff of the shining or mm-hmm. it's just such a nebulous term to be like it's like the shining because nothing's like yeah. the shining i agree i don't think i can think of a single thing that's like the shining i think no. the the shining is the shining kind of like jaws it's like yeah you can't, you can't be like jaws yeah. your jaws or you're an imposter you need yeah. john nicholson you, yeah. ja- you need here's johnny he's bad adult these days he's bad adult <laughs> you're using um you need Shelley Duvall, who's like not like it's interesting because it's like she you can tell she's not really necessarily a very strong actor, but it's like she's so terrified to her mm-hmm. core that I really root for her. And she's yeah. also kind of annoying, so you get what he wants to slap her. <laughs> no, I like her, but well, same with I think that's really it's like interesting with uh, well, never, never mind. We, 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 I, I don't yeah, want to stop. I'm sorry, I'll stop myself. I was because I was going to go off on another tangent because like as as much as I loved the Doctor Sleep movie that came out, yeah. like you were talking about with well that, done, yeah. the yeah. actress who was playing Wendy and doing a Shelley Duvall impression, I thought she nailed it. I thought she really she yeah. did a really good Shelley. Did a really good job. But when they had the not Jack Nicholson, Jack Nicholson. I forgot about this. Yeah. Oh my God. Like that scene is so good on paper, yeah. but he's just sounds so nothing like Jack Nicholson that it just kind of pulls Jack you out. Nicholson. I guess maybe like the shine, nothing's like the shining except for the shining. Like who's like Jack Nicholson, but Jack Nicholson. Some people say Christian Slater, but if you watch Heather's, he's clearly doing his best Jack Nicholson impression. And I I do love Heather's. I do like it's such a good movie. Greetings and salutations. My favorite subgenre is probably horror comedy. Oh, I love even though Exorcist is not horror comedy. (laughs) No, no, that's that's the opposite of comedy. But I do like horror comedies. Yeah, or it's pretty much if I like it, I know it when I see it. 
I like slash. I like everything if it's done well or yeah. badly that it's enough that it's enjoyable. Of course, like, that's so, that's always the best. Yeah, like I like Scream, and that's like mm-hmm. horror comedy. But but you're you're right. There's certain things like Fear Street. I felt like it was it was enjoyable. It was but, silly, but I had so many qualms. Yeah, <laughs> we had many qualms, but it was fun. I really liked the Fear Street. That just as a whole, especially like we were just talking about Friday the Thirteenth. Spoiler alert for people who end up watching my top 10 movies of the year at the end of the year. Fear Street as a trilogy is probably going to make it at some point because I thought it was a lot of fun. But like Friday the 13th, my favorite two Friday the 13th movies are not Friday the 13th movies. They're the Fear Street 1978 movie and the Final Girls just because I feel like the movies that were like homaging Friday the 13th are just way better than Friday the 13th for some reason. Yeah, I love the Final Girls. The Final so, Girls was great. We we yeah. uh we watched that recently. I'm an Adam Divine head. She <laughs> loves Adam Divine. Yeah. That's where he met his almost wife. Mm. God bless you. Yep, she's <laughs> the, the 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 badass who gets blown up. Spoiler alert for Final mm. Girls. If anyone's like, what? How many ten years behind? <laughs> I remember the first time I watched, it, I was like, wow, this movie's really good. And then the ending, and I'm like, why am I crying at a horror movie? This doesn't make sense. Yeah, you're right. That did kind of remind me of that Fear Street now that you say it. Yeah, but I didn't connect those before. Hmm. Yeah, you know, you're right. But I think Julia and I, not to speak for Julia, both talk about this, that horror movies, like horror is the best genre when it's done well. Mm-hmm. But I think as a genre, it's probably done least well out of most <laughs> genres. Like, yeah. it's like so easy to like, and maybe I don't know exactly what it is. Maybe it's budgets or maybe it's because you're obviously not Oscar baity. So you're not getting like the creme de la creme of, of actors, but it's like they're often poorly done. But when they're well done, I find them the most worthwhile. What I think is funny, because I, I, I agree with you, but I also think horror is the best when it's also really bad. That's true. Like, yeah. I'd rather watch a sci-fi original movie than, like, an Oscar bait drama film of any time. Yeah. It can be very cringeworthy when it takes itself too seriously. Yeah. Like, it's just it's I just agree. sad when it's just, like, it's just okay. Yeah. I, I wanted to embrace the, the bad. Like, I watched a movie a couple weeks ago. I think it was called The Girl Who Got Away. It was a woman who escaped from a murderous mother who abducted children, and then she ended up murdering all of them. And then she there was one kid who got away, and, she, and then 30 years later, mm-hmm. she escaped from an insane asylum. And she's like, oh god, she's coming after me next, and it was just like boring. Ugh. This was a cool concept. Yeah. yeah, we watched Jaws two for the first time recently, and it was one of the most boring movies I've ever watched. Like it was like it was dull. It like lost all of the like, the positive attributes of the first movie, and it, it retained most of the cast. It was just whatever magic was there was gone, and it was interesting to kind of see how something could like lose its shimmer. I like Jaws 2, but I think I like it because it devolves into a weird, like, schlocky B slasher movie, but instead of a slasher, it's a shark. It's like, oh, this is it's personal. Yeah, he gets, like, the burned face, and he's just like... Yeah, that's true. But I, he didn't even hard to kill any of those little fuckers. Like, yeah, I know. It was like, they're all paddling <laughs> in the water. I'm like, oh, God, they're shark meat. I can't wait to see, like, what happens. And then it's like, the older son's just knocked out and taken out of the equation and there's no that that tension's completely unexplored and the young son screams a lot and the one girl who's nice to him gets killed and everyone else arrives it's like come on yeah it could also be i remember megan when you were first watching it you texted me that it could also be the fact that i've seen jaws 3 and jaws 4 Uh, jaws 2 is citizen kane compared to those (laughs) movies like good god (laughs) 
Well, we could blame Friday the 13th for watching a sequel. It's like, these sequels are good. They are. Maybe all sequels are good. No. No. <laughs> but it's like, I, yeah, because I thought one and two are like pretty sim- I could see someone ranking two over one. I think for- a Not of Jaws. No, not yeah. of Jaws. For Friday the 13th. And for me, so far, what is it? The, um, the fourth one, I think, is the- Yeah, the fourth one, I the think, Feldman is the best. One. The Feldman one. The Corey Feldman yeah. one was my favorite. And yeah, then it was-, was good. They're all They're all endo- very enjoyable, though. Yeah, they're all fun in their own little ways. Yeah. That gets a little cool. off the rails- I mean, six, I think, is the, as far as pure quality goes, it's the best. Jason X is my favorite just because it's the dumbest one by far. Yeah. But six is pretty good. We have to get that next free trial under my name. And then we're going to watch the, we're going to watch the remaining movies and I'll give, we'll give you our definitive ranking. Well, it might be different. Seven, eight, and nine get a little, little. We sat through what was the one? Five. Five Five was, was bad, but. What's funny about those movies, too, is that 4, 5, and 6, the main character is Tommy Jarvis, but he's played by a different actor in each one of those three movies. Oh, my God. And the thing is, I wish they kept Feldman. Could they not hold on to Feldman? I don't or, know. I don't know what the what their deal was. Because like, he was, like, good. He was engaging. Like, same with his sister. Like, the whole thing. And then also the teens with Crispin Glover. Mm-hmm. It was, like, the whole thing was, I thought, really engaging and well done and like i cared like i cared even though you knew that pretty much all of and then it did end up being all of the teenagers in the cabin were gonna get killed it was mm-hmm. like there was like three that i actively didn't want to die mm-hmm. which is high for a slasher movie for me <laughs> this the sixth movie tommy jars i think his name is like tom matthews but it's spelled like t-h-o-m for some reason oh yep I think he's good, and he also goes on to be like he was the did the motion capture for the video game that came out. He's been in fan films. He's the one who's like, "I'm Tommy Jarvis, goddammit, it, and I'm <laughs> taking this role to the grave." And I, I respect him for that. Feldman has enough things to be. Yeah, I think yeah. Feldman said he wants to come back, but I think it's just because he wants to come back full stop, and he'll take any option to come yeah, back. That's <laughs> I'm fair. Tommy Jarvis. Now. I'm Tommy Jarvis, motherfucker. Yeah. All right. All right. Let's 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 um let's dig into since we've talked a lot about movies because that's what we love to do here, the, the professional horror podcast. Movies. I like to talk to my voice it's, goes out. Let's finally dig into Ginger Snaps. We start off in the town of Bailey Downs, which I love the name of the town just because it's just, it reads like a Goosebumps town name to me, just because there's a lot of Goosebumps references I'm going to make in this, just because not only is the town seem like it, it's a Canadian town, just like the TV show was filmed in, but also two of the main actors were in Goosebumps episodes. So it just makes me very happy. Yes. Catherine Isabel. Oh, nice. Catherine Isabel was in It Came From Beneath the Sink. Yes, she was in It Came From Beneath the Sink. She was the lead. And Chris Lempsch, I think is how it's pronounced his name. He was uh, Styx in The Scarecrow Walks at Midnight. And what's weird is he's terrible in that Goosebumps episode, but I think he's pretty good in this movie. Which one's he? What does he play? He's Sam. Sam. Oh yeah, he was good. He was good. I liked him. He's trying to put on like a Southern accent in Scarecrow Walks at Midnight and it's not for him. He's like, you you damn shit kids, you know, you're getting out of here. And it's just like, stop, man. Usually a mistake. Goosebumps. Accents are usually a mistake. Yeah. Usually. Because so I was watching Goosebumps recently with Caitlin. I'm like, that guy looks just like Anakin Skywalker. And I looked it up and it was. It was Aiden Christensen. Yeah. <laughs> if I ever meet him, that's the first thing I'm going to say. I'm be like, I love you in Night of the Living Dummy 3. And he's going to be like. What? <laughs> he's either going to be like, oh my God, you're the best. Or he's going to be like, I hate you. Please never mention that to my face again. 
and embarrassing admission, but I did find that scary. I, I got a thing about dolls. It freaks me out. Oh, uh, yeah. The part where he turns Hayden Christian into a dummy is pretty freaky, I thought. Yeah, that, I thought that was freaky. I didn't see it. Uh, and then he's like a pretty unmotivated villain, at least. But like for a while, like, what are you going to do to these kids? He's like, turned one of them into a dummy. He's tormenting the other ones. Like, you just don't know what he's capable of. Then you remember it's PG. But, like, yeah. I was like, Kim was laughing at me because I was like, I don't like this. I don't <laughs> like this. It's also Freak. PG. Yeah, Poltergeist still scares me. Yeah. I think Poltergeist was the reason they made PG 13 because, like, <laughs> legally they couldn't make it R rated. So, exactly. but they were like, this time. doesn't cover this movie. Let's make something new. Yeah. I think you're 100% right. Because that movie, we, well, we've, we've done a lot of horror movie watching in pandemic. Like mm-hmm. through the last like whatever 18 months and that was one of them and it was like oh wow like i thought i was just a coward when i watched it as a teenager but it turns out i'm still a coward <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. Uh, so let's Back dig in snaps. ginger snaps ginger we snaps. start off with there's something killing dogs in the town which is the uh, it, dog deaths are always way worse than human deaths in movies and this movie has like five of them it's really distressing yeah, I think that goes to show its quality with how much I liked it because it, when it opened with a dog death, I'm like, oh, wow. Doesn't Strike one well. doesn't bode well. <laughs> yeah. I have like, good chance I'm going to hate this because I don't yeah. like it. But speaking of the dog death in the beginning when the when the mother comes out and then sees the dog and then she starts screaming and freaking out, I think that's a 100% like accurate, appropriate reaction to finding a dead dog. Mm-hmm. Like I yeah, was like, because I think I'm like, I'm like, yes, if like that, like I don't think she was being overboard at all. I think that's exactly, if, if anyone reacted less than that, sociopath. Yeah, which is weird too because like no kid in town seems to care about any of the dog does because we start off with that one kid in the sandbox playing with the paw of the dog, dog and then when the mom's like it got our dog, the kids just like look up from their hockey match and then go back into it. Yeah, and then one of them's playing with his dog, and you're like, oh god, that's foreshadowing. You know that yep. dog's gonna eat it later. Yeah, and from there we are introduced. What I it's such a weird thing because they like almost set it up to make you think that like. Bridget when she walks out played by Emily Perkins who also was Beverly in the 1990s it yes it's the weirdest thing she's like 22 years old and she's playing 15 she's the oldest of the three main actors and she's playing the youngest it's kind of so young and, and she does a good job they do because she does yeah. look young I wouldn't have guessed that, that she was older than Catherine Isabel mm-hmm. especially by like however many like two she's like three years older than her yeah and she's also wearing an absolutely terrible wig in this movie too <laughs> Yeah, she was very spooky looking, like a weird. Because like apparently her previous movie, she had to like shave her head or like buzz it down, and they needed a long haired girl, so they just put up this weird like frumpy wig on her. It's frumpy, that's for yeah, sure. Yeah, it is. But I th- it's weird because they almost set it up to make you think that Bridget and Ginger are the ones killing the dogs mm-hmm. because like the sec after oh they got the dog, Bridget walks out with like a can of gasoline and rope and stuff. You're like oh snap! But no, they're just doing the coolest art project of all time. I was like, what the fuck? That was also a cool reveal because Ju- Julia was like, did they kill that dog? And then I think for, I don't want to speak for her, but I was like, I imagine it was they like, strike have. two. If they killed that <laughs> dog, how are we supposed to ever root for them? And I'm like, no, I'm pretty sure that like, I knew the background that was that it was a werewolf. So I was pretty sure it wasn't them, but I they, didn't know that. I know they set it up pretty well. It's fun. It's fun not to know anything. Mm-hmm. And we introduced, we're introduced to Ginger as, as again stated, portrayed by Catherine Isabel and Bridget portrayed by Emily Perkins. And we get their first instance of 
of their like their sisterly relationship. Bridget's first line to Ginger is Baxter's fertilizer, and Ginger's like, "I'm cutting Marissa's so girly. I'm gonna slit my th- uh, my throat." And you're like, "It's they're so interesting characters. They're such interesting characters." I feel like. Yeah, I hated that. I, I closed my eyes. I also because <laughs> well, it's like it's an, it, same with the dog killing in the first scene. It's a bold narrative move too because the rules of the movie haven't been established. Mm-hmm. You have like a girl who's like got like. A, a knife on a wrist and then her th- and you're not like sure how much they're going to show or what like you just don't know like what the confines of the movie are going to allow yet so you're like that adds a different level of like stress and tension because you're like oh shit you could like see something gross right especially because they have that conversation about like their suicide like death pact and then mm-hmm. right from there you go to their suicide photo montage which is just mm-hmm. the coolest thing like she's impaled on the white picket fence that was yeah. really cool. I couldn't believe how many there were. There yeah. were a lot. <laughs> so, like, and again, I, I, when I meant when we were watching it, I was like, they could never make this movie now. No. Yeah. Like too much. I like you know uh, glorifying suicide or all like they, it just wouldn't fly these days. It's kind of crazy. It's only, it's only it was what two thousand one. Yeah, it was like two thousand. Was it two thousand or two thousand one? Two thousand, I think. They had a problem making it back then too because like the Columbine massacre was very fresh. Yeah. And in Canada, films are like some films are publicly funded. So in the wake of Columbine, they were like, our taxpayer dollars are going to this movie about death obsessed teens. This is this is not. <laughs> this can't stand and everyone's like so like no casting directors would work with the film and then like, oh, Columbine was just a fluke yeah it's not <laughs> <laughs> nope yeah <laughs> Yeah, that turned out to be totally true. Well, it's the thing, like, if you just watch the opening scene, like you said, what the rules haven't been established, in the wake of Columbine, you could imagine that that's where this movie is going. Yeah. You know? Yeah, oh, yeah, definitely. They're spooky little weird bitches. <laughs> I also love there's one scene where one of them commits suicide, has the fake suicide picture, and they have a suicide note that just says, no comment. No comment. <laughs> just like, that's fun. <laughs> That is funny. I don't think I noticed that one. Yeah, this, I thought this movie was funny. Yeah. It was like dark. It was dark comedy but and really yeah. enjoyable, mm-hmm. I thought. They have a, a lawnmower death with a bunch of like fake entrails, which is that always, was, it's always yeah, it fun. It was very creative. It was just, it was disgusting. I mean, <laughs> I don't know where they got all those supplies as teens, but. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Supportive mother, I guess. <laughs> yes. And their mother. The, mo- the mother's an absolute dream in this movie. <laughs> I the, love that mother. When, when this, the scene came when they were having dinner with their parents, oh, Julia's, Julia's like, they have parents? I assume they were feral <laughs> children. <laughs> and then yeah, the mom is like so like chipper and the dad is just so like, I don't know, like a typical like 90s dad from a lot of like pop culture. And it was just, yeah, that was really funny to see the interplay of these two extremely macabre teenagers. Mm-hmm. And, like, they're, like, fairly normal parents. Yeah, it's like they had this super chipper, like, super nice mom. And the dad, who was just, like, your typical, like, 90s, oh, I don't, female stuff, that's, I don't want to hear that. I'm eating dinner. Yeah, yeah. I'm just going to pay attention yeah. to my meatloaf. Like, yeah. And then, and then the mom, like, making a sarcastic remark about how he's not very useful. Actually, what's coming to mind <laughs> is in Stranger Things, the the dad mike and uh nancy's dad like just like pretty oh, much yeah. like a, almost a non-entity mm-hmm. i also loved to like when when they have that uh in their classroom scene right after the montage with that awesome like string quartet music whatever the guidance counselor after seeing the pictures was like i was outraged by that wasn't i wasn't i yeah. it's just like everyone is just so like cartoonishly like why i never even seen such a thing in this yeah. movie <laughs> Well, uh, when they got like when they got sent to the guidance counselor, Julia was like, "Okay, that's realistic." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's something they. I mean, nowadays, like you said about making this movie today, nowadays they would probably just be like 
thrown into like jail or something they'd be like you guys have problems oh yeah thinking about killing yourself it's like i hope hope you like prison (laughs) (laughs) and then we have uh that feel there's a lot of field hockey in this movie which always throws me off whenever i watch it it's a canada thing it's a canada thing but like what no one notices the latest dog until bridget's knocked into it i was like man this no one's paying attention in this movie (laughs) Yeah, the dog deaths don't seem to really disturb them, which is wild. And that too, I thought it was funny because they're all running around playing field hockey, wearing like extremely dowdy universe uniforms. Mm-hmm. And then it's like the teenage boys are watching and like being, it's like they're like dressed like nuns. <laughs> it's like, hilarious that they're like trying to like see anything shifting under those like that like massive uniform. I had the same thought. I was like, because the guys, it's funny that. The guys are all pervs in this movie, but then, and then there's no pretense to it. There's no slickness to it. That, like, like you said, they're wearing like, like sweatpants and sweaters, and they're like, "Yeah, girl, shake it. Let me see them jiggling." I'm like, you can't see anything jiggling except you sweatpants. Guys, like, you, like, you can try yeah. as you may, like you can't see any. And then I also, the teenage boys looked like teenage boys. I thought they were realistic, yeah, because they they looked so like young. their age, which mm-hmm. is like n- nice. And, and then the girls looked young too, but girls always look a little more mature, I think. Yeah, mm-hmm. usually the guys in high school movies look like they're in their 20s mm-hmm. yeah and so these guys even like the cool ones look like little dorks yeah it was funny too because like i remember speaking of how young everyone looked for one of the questions nicole sent us megan one of them is like what's the sexiest monster and i was googling to make sure i wasn't missing any of them and a lot of lists had ginger on them and i'm like she's 16 and then i looked it up and i was like oh no the actress was 18 but still it's still creepy. Still, still. If you're talking about when she's like a dog. We'll, we'll, we'll no, no, no. When she does like her jawbreaker, you know, walk down the hall and the, with the slow motion. Oh, uh, yeah. That's creepy. Yeah, that's creepy. That's kind of <laughs> weird because she's 16. She's hot, but yeah. Yeah. Nowadays, if you talk about her like from American Mary or something, then yeah, she's. Hannibal. That's Hannibal where I know her from. Yep. She's in Hannibal. She's great in yeah. Hannibal. I like her. I did notice there was something on IMDb. Apparently, Emily and Catherine also played sisters in the movie Another Cinderella Story, which is like a I really weird comic. I've seen it. Yes, I've seen it. Oh, Sel- Selena, Selena Gomez is in it. Yep. Were they the ugly stepsisters? They were the ugly stepsisters. <laughs> yep. They were the ugly stepsisters. Jane Lynch was their mother, and Selena Gomez was their stepsister. That's hilarious. God, that's so funny. It's Remember weird. About Selena Gomez. Is that her? Selena Gomez? Yeah, Selma? she. Um, Selena Sel- What's her name? Selena Gomez. We're watching that show on Hulu now with her. And, Mar- mm-hmm. and uh, Steve Martin and Martin Short, like yep. the only murders in the building. It's actually it's it's really cute yeah, if you're but so- sidetracked. But we all these people are still relevant to us. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just, just so you know, like this, uh, the last thing I saw Selena Gomez is wasn't another Cinderella story. <laughs> it was what we watched last night. It's, it's weird too because like I saw a fact on IMDb where apparently Catherine Isabel and Emily Perkins they were born in the same hospital in the same wing. They went to the same elementary, middle, and high school and have the same casting director. And they've played sisters twice. It's like, that's, that's weird. Crazy. Were they born not the same year? Not the same year. Not the same yeah, Emily's like three or four same. years older. And yeah. they also auditioned for this movie on the same day. Like, it's just wow. the weirdest, like, they can't get away like from each fun. other. It seems like they must be for, I mean, I friendly, hear- right? I know. I'm, 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 I'm hoping they're best friends. I saw an interview with them recently because apparently there's a Ginger Snaps TV show that's going to be coming out at some point. Interesting like a remake tv show and so they brought the two of them on after the announcement for like today show or something and they were like we haven't seen each other since like oh seven but they were still like you know super like lovey-dovey with each other they seem like be be on good terms and definitely they like each other but you know they just don't hang out they're not bffs they're both on supernatural but on different um 
episodes and like yeah. um emily perkins was on a, was like a recurring character mm-hmm. well it's the thing episodes. speaking of canadian actors who are in other things this is where we're first introduced to sam the drug dealing botanist by i mean greenhouse employee he has interests other than drugs he does like weed he definitely but he, but he sees into see, he seems into plants yeah yeah, it's weird too because like everyone else is an extreme in this movie. Like Ginger and Bridget are extreme goth before goth was a thing. Everyone else is like extreme cheery, and he's very subdued. I think I think he's really good in this movie. I agree. I thought he was really good. I was really rooting for him to make it out. Like that mm. was I cared. Which again, not that like when you're watching a horror movie, your level, my level of care at least plummets. Like in terms of <laughs> do I care if they live or die? And it's like I wanted him to live. Probably the most. Probably the most. Yeah. Him and Bridget, I wanted to live, but mm-hmm. um, Bridget mostly from like because she's the main character, and I think you're seeing. I was it. fine with those two bitches dying. Yeah, well, I think <laughs> if they wanted to go, if like yeah, if, if they died, I would have been fine with it. I wanted um Sam and the mom to live, probably the most. The mom lives. Yeah, I was happy about that. She was great. She's so good. She was hilarious. Like. She was like really funny. Like when I was thinking about it, it must be really hard to do that well when you have like horror and like and you're incorporating comedy and like and so there was a lot of dark comedy, but the mom was just straight comedy. And it wasn't like mood whiplash and she like came across like really likable and I thought it was really well done. And I mm-hmm. I that was like a very I don't know, they just pulled it off really well. They yeah. I felt like that was the tone of the movie. I thought they did a really good job with overall. Yeah, because she has that scene very shortly after this where like Ginger keeps like rubbing her back and she's like, Do you think it could be cramps, Ginger? Yeah. And it was like you, you bro. Your period. <laughs> yeah, it's like, Mom. And like also like so much of the It's so weird they don't have their periods. It is. <laughs> so much of like the period talk and like the mom stuff, like it just it also was like rang kind of true to life. Just like I felt like that was a really good um and weird and macabre like portrait of adolescence in a lot of ways, like as an exaggeration. But mm-hmm. like there are certain things like like the physical changes and everything it was all like exact, but you're like, oh god, like this kind of takes me back. <laughs> yeah one of the reasons why i come up both of us this movie passes by for a while and then we finally sat down and watched it because i had heard this concept before and i remember the first time i heard it i was like werewolfism as a analogy for puberty that's mm-hmm. genius it is genius it's not hitting it's not like browbeating it it's just like subtle and yeah very well done yeah Especially because then you have all those scenes like with the nurse where they're like, this is not normal. Or with the mom even, she's like, this is not normal. And everyone's like, oh, it's totally normal. Everyone has it. (laughs) And she's like, oh, I'm bleeding. So, oh, no, it seems like a lot, but it's so (laughs) fine. fine. And Uh, also, yeah, like, just bring, yeah, it really does like bring you back in like weird and like funny ways. Oh, like, again, like, I think it speaks well to the tone of it too because it captures something that i feel like is probably like pretty universal for a lot of women mm-hmm. and, and and i thought that was like very cleverly done for sure i don't know from first-hand experience but you know it seemed it seemed Your accurate sister, enough yeah. <laughs> i don't know i thought it was interesting that the hot sister had such rocking cans but no period yeah she had rocking cans <laughs> but no period. that that was a little unrealistic i'll tell you <laughs> I think the rocking cans usually come after the period, but <laughs> well, it's similar in in sort of ways to like Carrie the movie. Yes, and apparently oh, yeah. Catherine Isabel also was in a TV remake of Carrie. She I don't was. know if she was Carrie or not. Embarrassingly but... enough, I saw that as well. Okay. She wasn't. She wasn't Carrie. You know, mm-hmm. 
Oh yeah, Carrie. That's so true. Yeah. I think it's just one of those like logistical things where you're like, well, I don't want to write a movie about a 12 year old girl, so I'm just gonna fudge it and make it a 16 year old girl because that's just inherently a better story. I can cast an actual actress as opposed to like a random kid. Yeah, it just true. usually happens with like um like gymnast types, like people who don't have like body fat and who are mm-hmm. really from like, what I've heard. Yeah. From what I've heard, it was a much more common thing in the 70s because of like leaded gas and stuff that was in the air. But oh, interesting. That was something that wasn't like as rare as it is today, just because I don't know, everyone was huffing you're poison every day. Hormones, and your eggs. We're, we're pumped full of hormones. <laughs> that's true. Like, if, yeah, it's a, you have nine year olds menstruating this day and age. Yeah, <laughs> no, yeah. I was like getting like jet black hair all over my legs when I was in second grade. <laughs> I was like begging to shave my legs. Mom's like, that's not so bad. And she looks, she's like, oh, you should shave your legs. So you should shave your legs. God damn it. I couldn't pass for like a teenager even when I was a teenager. <laughs> it looks younger now than she did in high school. That's I do funny. look, I think I do look younger now than I did. I was like repeatedly mistaken for a substitute teacher by my own peers. Wow. <laughs> Sweet substitute. Sweet. Yeah. I was like, I was like, I'm here to, I'm here to dispute a grade. Excuse me. <laughs> I remember at the end of seventh grade, I was five feet tall and I walked <laughs> it's impossible in. impossible to imagine you five yeah. feet tall, by the way. And I walked into eighth grade, five foot eight. Oh my God. Like over that, that one. Summer? No, actually I didn't feel any pain at all. I was just kind That's of went good. whoop. And I walked in and every, the first day everyone goes, what the hell happened to you? And I was like, I don't know. I'm tall now. Yeah, that's wild. And then I just became the tall person from now on. And that's, I love being there. It's a great place to be. Yeah, I would think to have. Yeah. (laughs) Our cousin Raymond's 6'5, and there was a time, I was like, and women, girls tend to develop quicker. So I was like the well, tall, you had the black hair on your legs. I had the black hair on my legs when I was eight years old. Yeah, so that didn't help, and um, got my period not long after PMI. <laughs> and, the, uh, and my cousin, uh, I was the tallest of like us. And then one summer, like he went away for like two weeks, and he came back, and he like he shot up like yeah, like like, like very tall, like towered over me, and I couldn't believe it. And it's like now he's like eight inches taller than me. <laughs> Yeah, it's literally like over the course of a summer, I went from like the shortest person in my family to the tallest person in my family. Just like, did you lord it? Oh, I loved it. That's the best. Good. Because well, my dad is like the shortest out of his group of brothers. Like they're all six four, six five, and he's five ten. Still like decently tall, but yeah, he's still tall, decently but tall. But everyone else is six foot plus. You probably yep. have a chip on your shoulder. I would yeah. Imagine. But I yeah. somehow got all of the the tall genes. My uncle was like six seven, so I just got. You got his. Oh, I got lucky. Cool. Let's get to the werewolfness of the movie. Oh yeah. Because they, after field hockey fighting, Ginger and Bridget had the idea to pretend to make their bully think that their dog was killed by the Beast of Bailey Downs. Yeah. So there was a fun moment there where Bridget's like, I can't distract her. And Ginger's like, if you if you don't want to take part of your own ideas, stop having good ideas. That was funny. She's such a bitch, though. Ginger. <laughs> she's so she's funny. She's a huge bitch. Yeah. I felt like the, the, she's the other like, girl's a little fucking weirdo. Like, I, I did wind up kind of liking them both. But. No, me too. <laughs> I like, these girls suck. <laughs> it's one of those things like ginger's yeah. fun I, I really like her as a character but you're right in real life i would not want to be friends with her i would not want to be around yeah. ginger but as a movie character i was like oh ginger's great she's so cool yeah and she's, she's pretty and she's, she's pretty funny. and she's funny and she's like psychotically <laughs> attached to her sister but then also like she's really pissed off at her sister so it's like oh my god you're not letting anyone else talk to your sister but you're also not talking to your sister i feel like this isn't fair <laughs> Bridget, she's like, I really like her character journey throughout this movie because it's very subtle, mm-hmm. where she like comes into her own as like a weird almost coming of age for her, even though she doesn't 
uh, <clears throat> come of age yet, where she's like suddenly more confident and more independent by the end of the film. I thought that was really good. But let's I get there first. No, we'll get there. We'll get there. But yeah. no, we'll I, there. I agree, and I look forward to commenting on that later. We'll get there. The werewolf is really freaky looking and gross. Yeah. And I did not see it coming because I had no idea about the movie. So I'm like, what the fuck? Is she dead? Like, why would they kill the hot one? But <laughs> Julia was like, I did not see that coming when, when she gets like like pulled away in the woods. And then I was like, how could she? I was like, how could she be alive? There's so much biting. And so it made sense. I was happy that it made some logical sense in confines of the movie and i also i liked that bridget went after the thing and was like beating it with the mm-hmm. camera and that was also a good way to get a picture the whole i thought the scene was really well composed because mm-hmm. it was like her and her sister are really close so i'm glad that she went after her instead of running away which i think the it was organic to take a, to find a picture and same with them they're running away mm-hmm. and then sam's truck runs into the werewolf and it like kind of explodes and like disgusting werewolf like that was good. And I, I thought that was very natural. Mm-hmm. I agree. To get him involved and like I wasn't really expecting it either. So I mm-hmm. thought that was an in, that was a natural, interesting way to involve him and to have the central sphere expand expand to three Absolutely. instead of two. And then it would later expand with the mom as well. Yeah. But I did read as a background fact originally the the director wanted a completely furless or hairless werewolf. And the effects guy was like, you got to give me a place to put zippers, man. You got to yeah. give me some tufts of fur so Need I can put some zippers. It looked- and also, if you're going with the puberty thing, it was mm-hmm. funny how she's like, oh, she's just shaving everything. And like, yes, that, to was look, funny. that was funny. Oh, like- <laughs> there were some scenes I was just like, Ginger, get a new razor. Get 80 new razors. What are you doing, girl? Just let it be, sister. This is who you are now. <laughs> and when she's shaving and her mom busts in, that was also like very much harkens to when you're like a teenager and your mom. I love like, that she had a tail. Well, we're getting ahead of ourselves. Yes, but bit. no, that was really funny. <laughs> I feel like that. Like, there's so much of this movie that c- the two main characters could have been annoying and part of their personality was annoying which would make sense for teenage girls especially mm-hmm. weirdo loners who are not socialized like them and so i thought that was really well done and like so many things that could have been annoying were handled so well and i also felt like this was a movie that didn't try too hard which I, a lot of times i watch movies especially horror movies and i feel like like they're trying too hard like this is trying to be x or this is trying mm-hmm. to be y yes. well that brings us to the point of how jennifer's body is just total rip off of this movie <laughs> That cries way too hard. <laughs> well, after watching this, I do agree with you. It was just, they got hotter girls who aren't related and are less weird and more, like, superficial. I do. Yeah, having Amanda Seyfried be, like, the nerd. The, be the nerd is, like, insane. Mm-hmm. Speaking of rocking cans, <laughs> like, there's no yeah. universe where Amanda Seyfried isn't, like, one of the most popular people in school. Oh, well, that's, I mean, that's always movie stuff where it's like, oh, look at the nerd. And it's just, like, after a montage, she's like, oh, wow, that's one of the top. She has a ponytail and it's glasses. Like, yeah. Wow, a makeover. And now she's suddenly one of the top 50 hottest women on the planet. That makes sense. Yeah, like, classic Rachel Lee Cook, who is, like, a model. And then it's like, oh, but now, yeah. yeah, look, she's wearing overalls. Glasses. Sometimes she has paint smudged on her face. Did you see her glasses? Did you see, yeah, did you see the glasses? Mm-hmm. So now she's completely just hor- horrific looking. Oh, my God. Horrific looking. Yeah. Terrifying. No, no one would dare touch her. I do really like Jennifer's Body. I think it's a fun movie. And I... I, I liked it, too. I liked, I, it. I liked it, too. But I just, like, saw, we saw it recently. Mm-hmm. And I, I liked it. But it was, like, nowhere near as good as this movie, I didn't think. I, I agree. So I, I prefer Ginger Snaps. And it was fun at points. I did it like was. I liked it. I didn't dislike it. But then after I saw this, I'm like, that is just a total ripoff. 
I yeah. feel like if anything, if anything, Jennifer's body did make me think that Megan Fox is a better actress than I ever thought because I thought she's still not that good. But she was, I thought, <laughs> the best part of that movie, and she did a good job. I thought of yeah. like she did a very it's good a fun job. Role. It's fun. Yeah. For I sure. actually, I just recently watched a film with her that's like a thriller sort of horror, not really. It's called uh, Till Death. It's coming to Netflix in a couple weeks, where she spends the whole movie handcuffed to her dead husband, and it's pretty good. I, I thought she was. I thought she did a really good job. So. Check that out. Gerald's game. It sounds like a little yep. like Gerald's game, it's, but it's, we'll see this. I'll, I'll, I'm, yeah. I'm willing to engage for the 90 minutes or however long. It's similar in parts to Gerald's game, but at, where Gerald's game is like literally the entire movie is at that bed. She she gets around. She's she's crafty with it, which yeah. I always appreciate in a, in a protagonist. She's yeah, she's I do not like crafty. Yeah, she's trying her best to get out of the situation by any means necessary. No, I don't dislike her either, but I just was like, I couldn't believe like what a pretty blatant ripoff it was. And it was only a few years later, but they just made it more Hollywood. Like, they made it more so Hollywood. Like, like that, this movie had a lot more like grit to it, and yeah. which yeah. I liked. And the two girls, were, yeah, they neither of them were cool or popular. They were both like depressed, bizarro, depressed, bizarre, <laughs> goths, and sisters. And they had like that weird, yeah. like they obviously like they were had a weird like homoerotic sort of thing going on especially as it developed and like you said they're i mean they're all covered up in like sweatpants and stuff and like Catherine isabel is hot but like she's not like you know megan fox i mean at the i mean especially in those specific movies like yes. I, if i walked through my hall the halls of my high school and saw Catherine isabel i wouldn't be like where the who the fuck where'd she come from yeah i'd just be like wow that's a hot girl at my high yeah. school yeah Whereas if I saw Megan Fox walking down the hall, I'd be like, what the fucking what? Yeah. Unbelievably good looking yeah. and tinkered with surgically pretty blatantly. An alien, <laughs> like an alien from the hottest planet on earth, yeah. like you, a planet in the galaxy. You just be like really confused Whoa, about yeah. where she came from. <laughs> That is where like this. Amanda Seyfried is like still too hot to see in the in the wild. Yeah, Catherine, but, like Catherine Isabel you know. is like super hot, but yeah, she's like someone that you could like see in real life and be like, oh wow, that's like, an incredibly good looking woman. Mm-hmm. Whereas that was one of the many things I liked about this movie too, is it was her hot montage was like pretty like underplayed compared mm-hmm. to other hot montages. It was yeah. just like, oh look, she's wearing something with like cleavage and like obviously like they've got like some sort of like soundtrack going and it slowed down a little bit yep. and she's just very good looking, but it wasn't like ridiculous. So the next day after the werewolf scene, after we see Sam run over the werewolf and kill it, which is, lets us know that it's not a, as they say, it's not a silver bullet. It's not a Hollywood situation, which again, I do like the fact they're trying to make it like kind of realistic werewolves. You could almost buy this could happen the way they lay it out as opposed to like normal werewolf situations. I feel like. Yes. Mm-hmm how it's a gradual month-long process and it's a bacterial infection. And if they use silver bullets, it would just kind of be like nonsensical. And it leads to that next day where that we start off with like Ginger and Bridget looking at the wall of tampons at the, at the drugstore. <laughs> and it's shot like this giant mountain that they're looking up like, oh my God, how are we going to scale that? Which yeah. is just fun. And we see Sam again. And he's just like, it's weird because even though he supplies all of the high school kids with weed, he's still like, hey, get the hell out of my truck. Because you can't smoke it here, you assholes. I thought it was a pretty organic way of bringing him back in, too. Was, and then I'll obviously show like the personality change a little bit. Because the horny little teenager guy, Jason, is like, oh, You want to smoke weed to get rid of your cramps? And then, <laughs> and then Ginger's like, yeah, sure. <laughs> that was a pretty good exchange. Hmm. Like, I feel like that was something I have to say about the plot, too. Is They did a good job of like moving it along in a way that it didn't seem like, like, su- like based on like the rules were given. Mm-hmm. Far-fetched or like, or obvious 
just from that, I, I like wasn't really sure how it was going to end. I had like two or three possible solutions that I thought would happen, and like yeah. one of them did. But it's like it wasn't like a, oh, this is so obvious. Like it's gonna like X is gonna happen. There's a couple character moments that come out of that really are surprising. One of the ones I would not have predicted was Jason understanding and knowing about periods. Yes. <laughs> Because he has that moment where he's like, hey, I have three sisters at home. I know the deal. Let's smoke some weed. It'll help you out. It helps them. And that made it seem like more of a person. Everybody was likable. Like, even the dicks. Even the dick. Well, that bully girl. She was a bitch, but she even had some nice moments. She did. Like, so there was nobody that was, like, purely just an asshole. Yeah. Which I like. It's it's Canadians, so they're and like, you know and like they're the bitch, nice. And and the bitch girl, it was like she heard one of her friends overheard the two sisters like talking like major shit on her about everything about her. So her pushing her into the dead dog, pushing Bridget into the dead dog was mean, but like mm-hmm. there it was like she had a reason to do it. Right. And then she gets jealous based on the Sam thing, which also like that happens a lot in horror movies. I feel like where you just have one like human villain for the sake of having one, and then when they die or whatever happens to them, that like el- that suggests that the story is being elevated to the next level like oh like now things are really serious like the, yeah. the tertiary villain is out but that they did a good job of making her seem like an actual person mm-hmm. especially a teenager yeah no one's like a cardboard cutout character in this movie i don't think and i really liked the conversation sam and bridget have at, while ginger's inside smoking weed i really like too where he's like oh well well officer it looked like a lichen throw up to me sir you know, like he's just kind of playing this weird, almost, he, he seems like he's in a more serious movie than everyone else, but it doesn't clash That's with true. everyone else. Yeah. Good point. It's interesting. And he's a drug dealer, so he's probably extra nervous about dealing with right. authorities. Yes. Authorities, yeah. And he also has that great line in the next time he and Bridget talk where Bridget's like, I really think it is a werewolf. And he goes, well, that would explain the uncircumcised, I mean, the circumcised human dick it had. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's a really good line. If you, yeah, I like him and Bridget's whole thing. I thought was very well done. That was one of the because obviously a lot other characters thought it was romantic and maybe it could have been a bit, but it was like neither of them treated it like that, and that made me be more invested in. Like, and it would both have been creepy because he's supposed it, to be fifteen and he's was what like twenty two. Yeah, it was. And that's what he said. Here. And he even said like, "Oh, I don't see you like that." And it was, and yeah. she like legitimately seemed to have no interest based on. Mm-hmm. She was just very obviously interested in like curing her. So, like that's the other thing that drives me crazy in movies sometimes when it's like oh like a guy's paying attention for the first time that's like gonna be the most important thing not like all of this like life or death shit that i've got on my plate and in this they didn't do any of that she was like 100 percent about her sister and about like trying to cure the werewolfism and everything Mm -hmm. and trying to like mitigate the casualties like that and that's like what a normal person would do yeah i really appreciate that that wasn't a there wasn't really romance in their relationship it was a very business like hey we're both doing this because it's the right thing to do we gotta do the thing lycanthrope was was a word yeah exactly so they've got an unshakable bond there oh yeah yeah. I, I also liked that, um, which was like frustrating, but in like, I think a good way. Bridget keeps her sister's secrets the whole movie, mm-hmm. which I think a lot of movies don't do. And they just do it to kind of like amp up tension or like a narrative tension or like character tension. But she didn't tell her mom. That was actually funny. She didn't tell her mom that Ginger had her period. Ginger just threw her like horrifically blood soaked underwear in the laundry and her mom found him and then made her a cake and then <laughs> she just assumes her sister told her and she didn't and then same with with Sam Bridget just pretends she's the one who got bit and mm-hmm. he figures it out pretty quick he figures it out but she never betrays her sister's confidence 
which I think was like like a good character choice and like a bold narrative move because you could have reached some shortcuts with her like if she was trying to like suck up to Sam because mm. she found him cute or if she was pissed off at her sister for like running off with Jason and like tattled to her mom or something but she never did that and mm-hmm. that is like I think what a realistic person would do and it was nice to see that in a movie because I think oh, you don't see that too often mm-hmm. I also like too that again like like you were saying how Sam figured it out how he wasn't an idiot he's like yeah. you know, you're you're the same person I've been known for the past month Ginger's obviously going off the fucking rails I'm not an idiot he probably saw a hint of that tail he po- yeah she mentioned she and Ginger mentioned Ginger mentions the tail to try to get him off her sister's tail yeah <laughs> God, I was, I was gonna say something and I lost it. No. If it comes back, just say it, and you can insert can... it with movie magic. It's <laughs> true. Oh, I love how the mom just brings like she's like Ginger's favorite dessert. Our oh. little girl's a woman now, and the the dad is just like, oh god, this needs to stop. Yeah, I love the mom. She's well, low key the best character in the movie. Yeah. <laughs> she's the best character, and she's a lovely woman, and like she's funny and very lighthearted, and like um, it reminded me of when I was a teenager and I got my period, <laughs> and I went to the next family event, and my papa gave me a hug, and he's like, I hear you're finally a woman congratulations and i was like mom <laughs> why are you telling everybody it's all the, your business goes everywhere with the pendergast and ellis family god it's so it's so our, weird back. our older sister um when when she got her period she told my granny and my and obviously we were really young she was and like my, 13 so and my, my granny yeah so yeah 10 probably like yeah 10 11 and 13 and my granny busted out champagne, we champagne. so we had champagne because caitlin <laughs> menstruated and honestly like it was a pretty it was pretty dope like for kids for the bubbles yeah i got us a taste for the bubbly i can tell you <laughs> God, it's so funny because, like, as a guy, we don't have that. Oh, now you're a man moment. I guess unless you're, you know, have a uh, bar mitzvah or something. Yeah. So can't relate to that uh, <laughs> story. It's good to mark these things, but it's like a very awkward time of life. <laughs> Oh, I also like as part of Ginger's transformation. One of the things she gets is she starts getting these like silver streaks of hair that become like blonde. In mm-hmm. it reminds me of um my favorite, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street. How when one night Nancy wakes up and she has the silver streak, it just makes her look like mm-hmm. a badass. Yeah, I like that too. I've like always really liked the gothic tradition of people's hair going white. I like think that's I think that's cool, and yeah. I like when people do it. Sam and Bridget. One of their things they have is they like pierce. That's such a weird scene. The the pierced silver. Yeah. What was it? When she when um Bridget was piercing Ginger's belly button. Oh yeah. And then she's like a werewolf, so it's really hard for her to get through. I assume it's because she's a werewolf that's really hard for her to get through. Mm-hmm. And then obviously it's completely ineffectual. Yeah. That was I think it's weird too, just because like how it's shot. Maybe I'm reading too much into things, but how she's like gripping the bedpost and she's like, oh, this will hurt no, a little bit. It was very weird, especially because they're sisters. It's just like, it's weird to like film it this way. Yeah, they're trying to make it creepy. And yeah. I love um, homoeroticism. I'm like a big <laughs> fan in like fiction. Love it. See it in everything, even if it's not there. But like, but this is sisters. So even me, so, I, so yeah. I was like, I was like, oh gosh. At first I was like thinking, oh, I always see it. So I'm probably just seeing it and being like a dirty pervert. And then I'm like, oh no, like, ooh, they're really going that route, which is bold, but gross. But like, bold, but I still respect it. So one thing that's weird about the werewolfism in this movie is not only is it transmittable on the full moon via a bite or blood transfusion, it's also apparently sexually transmitted. 
Because yeah. we see that with Jason in that scene where they're in the back of the car and Ginger's being really aggro towards him. And he's like, hey, who's the guy here? And she's like, who's the guy? And she just like jumps on him and it gets kind of weird real quick. I also thought that was like I a human. I how vague it was. Mm. Me too. Because it was like, it was pretty vague on how it was transmitted. Like it was just kind of like, I don't know. Like, and so it was like, she like seemed to punch him through the body. And then, and then, I, and then, then I the scene ended. <laughs> and, yeah exactly you don't know exactly what but you obviously they talk she talks about being like a, a freak lay so you assume sex happened i also liked i thought that was a humanizing moment for him too when he was like yeah slow down it's like <laughs> it was like kind of nice because i feel like that's another thing also when you're young and you watch like that's kind of like for me at least watching tv shows and movies that was like my like first understanding like quote unquote into the opposite sex like thinking like oh this is what men are like and it's not obviously it's like not really true mm-hmm. but, like, i thought that was he's obviously like a perv and he's kind of a jackass but he's still like oh wow like let, let's slow down like this is yeah. the fir- like the first time we're having sex and it was like even though he's like that was kind of nice to see for him he wasn't just like all about slam and ginger especially since she was acting so yeah. erratic yeah i agree i think it was a really interesting moment where even where technically this is exactly what he wanted mm-hmm. but as the movie is set up but now that's happening he's like whoa wait a minute this is not what i was expecting at all but then he plays it off later when he's just like ginger fitzgerald rocked my world and then he's like that he's literally like yeah he's got like cuts in his face but also um it reminded me of Jennifer's body. Jennifer's body. Yes. Well, all the guys that she was fucking, you yeah. didn't care if they died, really. Maybe that one you were like, eh. The first but one like, I cared a little bit. It was just like, they were just douchebags. Yeah. Like, whatever. Bye bye. Don't care. Bye-bye. So it was like nice that they were humanizing the. Mm-hmm. And then also, I thought it was interesting. I liked it because when she was talking to Bridget, well, obviously she just mauled, a, mauled the neighbor dog, but she's talking about how like everyone's going to think she's a freak and like she's a freak lay and he's going to tell everybody and blah, mm-hmm. blah, blah. And like, she's building it up and he doesn't do that at all and she spends the rest of the movie avoiding him yeah and like and he's like trying to seek her out at first it seems like because like he's into it and then obviously and then obviously because he's turning into a werewolf i liked that because i felt like that was also really true to life when Mm -hmm. she was like catastrophizing this and from his perspective until he starts turning into something inhuman he was like yeah like (laughs) oh she rocked my world he was he was it was all positives all compliments and uh, i liked that because like i liked that what she was saying wasn't necessarily the truth like the reality and one thing julie i think you mentioned this where you weren't sure like it looked like he would like ginger like punch jason like through his body right after that ginger comes home covered in blood and mm-hmm. then we're like it's the fake out of oh he killed norman the the little my, mini dog next door and it was like sad that there's more dog death but it was one of those things where they let you sit with that like oh god ginger murdered someone yeah and then you're like no she just killed the dog and like okay it's still sad and it's funny we say humanize the guy the so hum- we're not like totally like fuck that guy because yeah. <laughs> if he was more of a dick i would he like still he was like a funny dick mm-hmm. but he was if he was more of a dick i would find the reveal that she actually killed the dog to be worse yeah <laughs> like then if yeah. she killed him but the thing i was confused about which is like fine i'm confused all the time um <laughs> like she got so torn up and like should have been dead mm-hmm. that like she wasn't and she just healed all of her shit that i was like oh she probably just did that to him mm-hmm. you know, like tore him up pretty good and then he just healed that I, I don't know, that's kind of what i was I, but I, I liked how they didn't really give you any like mm-hmm. here's what's happening which i i like that when they don't treat you like an idiot even though sometimes i am an idiot <laughs> <laughs> i did no, think you know, I can't relate as much to the Ginger and Bridget stuff, but when Jason in the next scene, they're like, ah, look at he's he's like his pen cap exploded. I was like, oh 
god this man's in <laughs> dire need of something man he's in trouble that was horrifying that was horrifying but it also made me think because i know that bef- ob- that obviously ginger got her period before she got bit then after she gets bit and she's bleeding all over the bathroom floor and then he starts bleeding like it makes obviously makes you think like oh like whatever's happening is making is like bleed out please make you bleed and we like i thought that was like it was gross and weird but it made it did make you like think like oh like what's happening to ginger is like it's i guess it's like it happens if you're a man or a woman like you're gonna have some genital bleeding which is like disturbing and it's another realistic reaction like in the next scene he's at the urinal and when his piss stream turns to blood halfway through he just starts screaming he's like oh my god i'm like i would yeah 100% 100% what I would do. Yeah, I'd be screaming too. That's not that's not Blood how things work. Screams. <laughs> screaming about, like, yeah, like, hitting the walls. Like, just act, reacting in a really yeah. dramatic manner. This is, a, this is a weird, dumb thing, but it's also, he also doesn't stop peeing, which is also realistic. It's <laughs> Sorry, like, stop. you can't, you can't <laughs> stop once you go. Because, like, my last episode, guys, I was talking with Carrie about Midsummer, and there's that scene that bugs me where he pees on the sacred tree, and the yeah. guy comes up yelling at him, and the guy just stops peeing and just talks to the guys like, what are you talking about? I didn't know it was a bad thing. I'm like, bro, you still, you still got pee you need to pee. You can't just stop yeah, midstream. Yep. I think we left off around the pen exploding, but we didn't talk about the, uh, we didn't talk about the goon fight at the hockey game. Where like the heavy metal music kicks in for like thirty seconds for Ginger to beat the crap out of her. Honestly, I forgot about that. I'm glad you brought it up. It's so funny. <laughs> yeah, I forgot about that too. That was really that funny. was a good beat down. That yeah. was a great beat down. And then she's like, ah! It was that was really funny. It, it's another reason why I like Sam's discovery of he knew it was Ginger the whole time is like over the course of this month, you can clearly see Ginger's like getting fangs and getting claws, and no one says a word about it. Yeah, and she's like extremely erratic and crazy. Yeah, like yeah. Well, even the title, like I, which I like, did not until we watched it. Like I was just thinking, obviously, about the delicious cookie because that's where my brain goes. But like ginger snaps, like ginger just snapping, which is like what happens the whole movie too. And it's weird too because like the it, the the title is about ginger, but the movie's about Bridget more mm-hmm. yes that's true there was a, a thing i thought was interesting the writer of this movie does not like horror movies because she thinks that they negatively represent women most of the time mm-hmm. and the director yeah. was like okay well write one that's good with women that's Def- funny because you could tell it's like very well done with it female is. characters like and like it like pe- passes the bechdel is it bechdel or bechdel yeah bechdel it passes know. the bechdel te- test with flying colors which is just the idea of like two women in a movie talking to each other about something other than a man yeah and it's like a shocking number of movies don't pass that including a lot of early marvel movies <laughs> like it's yeah. like all they they either don't talk at all or when they talk it's, it's about, about men yeah. and it's like or um, the other test is the sexy lamp test. It's like, oh, have you replaced these female characters with sexy lamps with a plot change? <laughs> and I like that one too, but that one's a little more extreme. Yeah. The Bechdel's interesting because like you said, it's an incredibly low bar and a lot of movies fail it. Like Star Wars, almost all the Star Wars movies fail it. Oh yeah, they do. All You're the Lord right. of the Rings movies fail it. There was an experiment done by a website called the the Horror Honeys. There it is. Where they, they all took a bunch of movies and they'd see if they passed the Bechdel test. And it was like a surprising amount of horror movies, surprising percentage amount of, of horror movies passed the Bechdel test as opposed to like percentage of normal movies. The final girl is, you know, is a yeah. thing. You always have the yeah. final girl. And if she has one female best friend who talks about anything other than a dude, then it passes. So and you get a lot of that. 
hairspray or like makeup or nail polish. Or, or <laughs> I thought cause it's funny. Cause I've seen this movie like a billion times, but we watched it recently again for like the for me like probably like the fortieth time. But like Scream with um, Tatum and Sydney, mm-hmm. just recently I like kind of appreciated that they just have a really nice relationship. Yeah, they have a really and fun friendship. They are fun friendship. They talk very little about their boyfriends. It's like talking about like much more big picture stuff, and like there's no betrayal on either side. It's just like com- like it's just like very supportive and loving and caring, and like it's just a nice friendship. And you realize how kind of rarely you see that, especially in the '90s yeah. with with certain uh, movies. So we have um, uh, an interesting thing where they they determine the cure for werewolfism, where they think that cure cure for werewolfism, lycanthropy. I can say that without t- twisting my tongue is monkshood, which apparently is an actual thing, which is like a cousin of wolfsbane. I do like that, even though the silver bullets are out, we come up with a realistic reason why not all the folklore mm-hmm. you can throw it out. I do like that. I think it's like, oh, it's it's a what's it? It was a plant for radical detox. So in theory you could detox all of the werewolf virus from your body at once with this plant and i was like i thought that was really interesting yeah i, that I like that too and it was like pretty like you know it was easy they did it it worked <laughs> like all that it was just kind of like whatever but i was fine with it let's keep mm-hmm. it moving i'm glad it worked let's yeah keep it, moving. it was very convenient <laughs> yeah. because it was like oh it's only around in the spring oh well i went to a craft store my mom went to the craft oh, store and she just so happened to buy a long soda because it was pretty yeah. or whatever all that i was fine with i'm like this is a little bit too easy but i'm fine with it yeah <laughs> when they um started when the bully girl comes over yes some of like a little bit of that i found a little that was like the only part that i felt was like tiny bit forced the whole movie i felt like i was fine with the way things went i was mostly fine with that too but mm-hmm. i did feel like that was kind of that situation was like kind of to like bring things to a head yeah. but i thought it was especially how she died i thought felt i but that's that's fine that's why my only which is not even really a major gripe but i just kind of was slightly underwhelmed by the way that that played out and that she like slips on the milk and like then busts her head and then she's dead but i it was a great opportunity to bring for, the mom in to bring the mom in and then also for them to stage one of their, oh, yeah. their one mm-hmm. of their like suicides because that was clever. Mm-hmm. I thought like the whole way it was done was clever. Like the the follow up was clever. So like I have minor gripe, but I'm it's yeah. mostly just like like that's like probably the only thing I can bring up in the movie that I like when I was watching it. I was like a little like okay, this feels a little like forced to bring about this event. Yeah, I was gonna say that too. Where I was literally like, I think it is weird to have that ginger ghost from zero to 100 moments where she's like threatening to kill the the bully and then she slips on the milk but it's all worth it for me because by the time the parents come in ginger's like taking her place and they'd be like it's another death photo it's corn syrup want to try it dad it was like so good yeah no the payoff was really good mm-hmm. and then her being like that's how the mom got involved yeah so it was like it all worked out i think i just i think i just would have liked it better if ginger killed her yeah based on the way the whole thing played out it felt like a little bit of a cop out to have it be slipping on milk then head then like hitting her head and dying just all of that even if it was like she slipped on the milk hit her head and was like having a seizure and then like ginger Ginger kills her or did did something to stop it like that would have just like having it be kind of out of both of their hands just felt very convenient and a good way to like forestall like ginger's final descent into like homicide yeah it does lead to another fantastic moment with the mom though where she's about to see her in the the, in the freezer yes she just goes mom what do guys want (laughs) (laughs) yeah i love that (laughs) 
Oh, honey. I, that I was great. That. Yeah. Everything with the mom was gold. And yes. it was just like such a weird, like, I was like, when, they, when the mom first was introduced, I was like, is she, are they in a foster care program? <laughs> like, it was like, what the, like the mom was just like, oh, these girls, they'll grow out of it. Like, she's just like so upbeat and doesn't like. <laughs> and they're also like living in like a weird basement situation. It looks like hell in there. It looks like the house is nice. But then I'm imagining it's their choice. Yeah. Like, I'm imagining they've got, they've got perfectly pink frilled rooms upstairs that yeah. they're choosing to live in the unfinished basement. There's also that scene though, because I remember where um the mom's concerned about ginger and bridget's like no she she likes the fact that you let us do our own thing and she and the mom's like i was hoping that approach was working yeah you know? <laughs> her the mom is so adorable she's she so is. good i was so relieved that she lived Me I, too. I, just didn't to. I was also relieved that she ended up being like so gung-ho on their side mm. which my god which like a mom. probably i mean we'll get there but it's probably my one of my favorite lines in the entire movie when she's like i'll just fill the cat the house up with gas we'll light it and then we'll go away just as girls i was like <laughs> what a dream of a character you are yep and then you're like well Maybe the apple doesn't fall so far from the tree. Yeah. And she's like, what about dad? He goes, oh, he'll just blame me. <laughs> and then she's like, it's not, I thought that was sweet too. And she's like, it's not your fault. And yeah. she like starts crying. I feel like the, that this movie like hit a lot of emotional levels in a way that felt right and didn't feel like, I didn't feel like they were like playing on your heartstrings. I just felt mm-hmm. like it all unfolded in a way that I really liked and that I was like, I was along for the whole ride. Yeah. It felt like a natural interaction between like human characters as opposed to just like Hollywood turn on the waterworks kind of scenes. Exactly. I, like I bought the whole weird relationship with Ginger and Bridget, like their mm-hmm. whole like codependent thing. But, and then also like the moms involved. I like say, like same with that one point, I think right after Ginger got bit and then she storms off at dinner. More like mold. Yeah, more like mauled. You're right. But sorry. After Ginger got mauled and she storms off at dinner and then Bridget goes after her and the mom's like, you're not like attached at the waist or you're not attached to something like that. She like, that's just such a mom thing to say. And also like yep. that and a few other things showed that she was like concerned with how like overly involved they were in each other's lives. But that obviously her like gentle attempts at interference have been like, she's been stonewalled. So yeah. she's like doing her best and they do a good job of establishing that and a lot of other things without any exposition. You just like pick it up from context. Right. And there's that scene where they're burying, where they go back out to the freezer after bed time where ginger and bridget are trying to bury the bitchy girl the, the mean the bully girl in Crazy the ground man. and there's a, there's a lot of really cool stuff in that like that the ginger's line where like a girl can only be a slut a bitch a tease or the virgin next door will just coast on how the world works for how they'll get away with the murder mm-hmm. and yeah. I, my favorite line there for that scene is where she, bridget's like if i wasn't here would you eat her and she's like ew it'd be like fucking her <laughs> <So>. <laughs> Yeah, that, that was a lot of interesting back and forth. And then it's like, and I feel equally confused as Bridget, which is like, is that is that a no? Like, like <laughs> would you would you fuck her? Like, I don't know. I really legitimately don't know. That was I just, funny. I think it's weird how her mind immediately connects those two thoughts. It's like, okay, Ginger, whatever you say. Hey, what would you say you are? A slut, a bitch, or a tease? Wow. I don't, I guess maybe a bitch, because I'm really not a good <laughs> either i don't think i'm much of a bitch but i'm definitely not a slut and i don't think and i am like way too buttoned up to be a tease <laughs> i'm very concerned about 
blonde. <laughs> you could also be the virgin next door. That's the fourth option, Ginger. Oh, uh, I mean, I am That's the virgin it. next door, which is yeah, I'm the virgin next door then. Which yeah, is, is I'm it right about the virgin? Next it's door. not a great option, but it's it's what's true to me. What are you? Probably a bitch. Yeah. What about you, Chris? <laughs> oh, definitely a tease. Obviously. <laughs> Oh, we're all different ones. This is why we get along. We're balanced. Yes. We just need um, we, need what a do, slot. we need a slot. We need a slot in the mix. Uh, as far as the werewolf things getting, as far as puberty metaphors and all that other stuff, the next day we also see Jason as a werewolf, and he's covered in the most disgusting zits ever. Yeah. Like, I loved that. I loved that. I was like, Ginger didn't get any of this. He's still hot, but like I liked how they had like multiple people, so you could sort of see it affecting different. That was interesting. You it could was. see it affecting different people, but yeah, poor guy. He didn't take to it very well. He didn't. Oh, <laughs> uh, he he was doing a number on him. It was crazy. Tail. Well, her she had a tail too, but it was kind of cute on her. Yeah. Her tail was kind of cute. Well, that was the other. Th- like, that was like the when Bridget goes and like looks under her underwear. I was like that like see, like and then it paid off the tail and that yeah. like made everything funny and like it brought it all together. But like you're like at that, but at that point like Ginger's pulling away and like Bridget's like really clingy and then she's going waiting because she's asleep and like lifting up her underwear and looking and I like that like gave me like a weird like a stomach like clenching feeling. But then again the fact that there was a tail, I was like, oh, that's what she was looking for. But before I realized what she was looking for, that was like an uncomfortable moment. And I think it was supposed to be. It definitely would have been a weirder scene if she did not have a tail. That's just <laughs> something you could definitely say. You'd be like, you're like, thank God you have a tail. Otherwise, like, yeah. This is weird. Just, just imagine like Bridget literally saying out loud, ah, thank God she doesn't have a tail, which is the only reason why I've done this. <laughs> Yes, there's no other reason why I'd be perving in my sister's drawers. <laughs> so weird. You also have that scene where she's walking in. I think it's very soon after the um, mom, like, Ginger likes it when you let us do our own thing. When she walks in on her trying to cut the tail off, it's just like, it's it's another weird analogy, too, where she literally walks in on her sister cutting herself, but it's a tail because she's just trying yeah. to be normal. Yeah. And then when they tape it down, I think <sighs> at one point they're taping it down in the locker room and the, mm-hmm. I was just like the tension of someone walking in because at that point like Ginger's obviously getting more and more unhinged as the movie goes on Yeah, and it's like at that point I was like oh my god if someone walks in she's just gonna kill them <laughs> like literally kill them like she's not gonna let them get like the, the, the time of her letting people get away with things is over <laughs> and so it was a relief when no one walked in yeah there's one scene that I think feels really weird and out of place with the rest of it which is very soon after this where Jason is attacking so after we we see sam he makes the cure out of the monk's hood mm-hmm. and he's like all right make sure you give it to ginger because i'm not an idiot jason's attacking that kid in the park and mm-hmm. the kid is like this is what happens when you deal with kids kid actors nine times out of ten you do not get good ones the kid's yep. just like help please someone let me go sir and jason's just like <laughs> kind of weirdly attacking him it was such a it felt like yeah, a scene where they were like we need to show the cure working so we mm-hmm. need this scene but it yeah. kind of felt like kind of tacked on i thought and it also made sense that she would be too much of a pussy to do it to her sister without knowing if it would work yeah mm-hmm. you know because she's so codependent and like she would want to kill her but too bad she didn't just do that yeah. off the bat yeah briefly say i think that's like the kind of 
semi-tragedy of the movie is it's like the whole movie she's trying to avoid the nuclear option and save her sister yeah. and then it which i get which i think unrolls unrolls and unfolds in like a realistic mm-hmm. way then that ends up being not an option but as a character you understand why bridget tried to avoid that mm-hmm. especially as a as a codependent sister you understand why like people like people's lives seem matter less to you than like the people you care about which right. is shouldn't but like that's kind of the way humans work that's life it is but it's like so just it's like oh there's certain people that it's like i would do pretty much anything for and like there's certain people that you know you'd hesitate to pee on if they were on fire and then you just have to like live with the fact that that there's that conflict going on internally well it's also that thing where they say like one death is a tragedy like 20 deaths is a statistic or something like that i forget what the exact wording of the line is Mm -hmm. but like if someone close to you dies it's like the worst day ever but if you hear like 35 dead in train crash in Kalamazoo, Michigan. You're like, oh, wow, that's really sad. You're, no, you're right. It's almost too many people to care about, which is kind of insane that, that there's like kind of a cap on human suffering, yeah. but I feel like we have an internal cap or something. Yeah. All the same with like school shootings and all that. It's like, you know, it's like, it's sad, but that's just kind of like, no, you're definitely right. Mm. And I feel like that happens in movies and television a lot where it's like things lose me when they're global. So like a good example would be like, which would be like Sherlock. In the first season, there's like, different episodes where the, the stakes are like high for the characters but low internationally mm-hmm. it's just like pretty much like life or death on like a on the, like a small scale but like the season two or three it's like we've got to save the world yeah. and i stop caring when it comes to like when someone's fictionally trying to save the world versus like trying to like save like their sister or like their dog or something like that it's like it's it, the bigger the stakes doesn't mean the more like emotional yeah. punches it's render. similar to like one of my many rants about the movie us i feel like us is really good until it leaves those two households once it becomes a nationwide thing i'm just like what the hell none of this makes a lick of sense one thing I want to mention, this is one of the IMDb facts that just completely blew my mind, especially because we're getting to the guidance counselor scene where, where Bridget and Ginger are about to be called into the guidance counselor's office. Apparently, the PA voice person was an uncredited Lucy Lawless. What? Yeah. <laughs> and two of the names that she calls to uh, go to the guidance counselor's office are Theodore and Samuel Ramey. Oh. And I was like... Lucy Lawless just called Sam Raimi to the guidance counselor's office. What the hell is? What world are we living in? That's weird. And Sam Raimi's brother was was um in Xena. Yes, in Xena. But we just watched Candyman, and he was the uh, he was he was like the bad the bad boy boyfriend in one of like in an early scene. Even though he almost always plays the nerd, it was really funny to see him play like the like oh he's like the greaser boyfriend the 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 ne'er do well. (laughs) Ted, yeah, Ted Raimi as the uh, the Ted bad Raimi. boy is such a funny concept. <laughs> a hilarious concept. He's like almost always like, yeah, like the he's um uh, what's it in the Spider Man movies? He's uh, J. Jonah Jameson's nerdy uh, assistant guy. Oh, okay. Yeah, but yeah I, I was literally scrolling on IMDb for facts, and I read that one, and I was like, wait, what the what? That's funny. I'm, That's glad, so you told me, I'm glad you told me that because I'm glad to know that. Yeah, and I'm happy that lucy lawless partook in this production yeah at this point ginger now has blue eyes and they look really cool and they do she, look cool her whole evolution was cool yeah very well done especially like i love when when she's at the the halloween party and she has the full blonde hair and the full like half yeah. wolf face it looks really cool and everyone's just like oh cool costume yeah. <laughs> she's lucky it's halloween yeah, yeah. yeah. 
But then she attacks the guidance counselor, and Bridget is just like, I don't know, I'll go get a mop, I guess. And I, I, I thought that was so cool, but she just opens the door, and it's just like, clawed face. He's just like, he like, got too close to the truth, I guess. Had to go. Had to go. I felt very, coming up next was that janitor. I felt bad about that. That was like, that was like yeah. the moral event horizon for her, I think, where it was like, even though it was fucked up to kill the guidance counselor, like you could see it in the heat of the moment and because she just got called in and she's obviously like, it's the full moon. You're willing to like give her a like homicide or like second degree murder on that one. But when she just like straight up murders that really nice janitor and then like kind of makes up all these excuses why she did it about him being a pervert, which doesn't seem, I also like that too, because she's like saying it and it doesn't seem at all true. And yeah. like her sister's kind of calling her out on that and i liked that like that it's a weird thing because ginger is like super overprotective of bridget still but it's still like it's she's doing it in all the wrong ways where she's like she thinks sam is gonna assault her she thinks the janitor wants to assault bridget and it doesn't seem like any of it's true like the janitor seems like just a kindly old dude no and i liked that because i think that kind of shows like her um mental degradation and how she's going crazy she mentions about the janitor being creepy at the very beginning Mm -hmm. oh she she might have you might be right but like i didn't think it seemed true then either yeah it didn't seem true then either but now it's instead of her just making a passing comment now it's like full-blown torture murder yeah she just like kills him in a terrible way for no reason i think that's a good moment for bridget as well because she's very much like there's no excuse there there's no like she like wasn't there for when she killed the guidance counselor and she's probably similar it's probably (laughs) so well that's why i think that was like kind of a testament to emily perkins acting i felt like she did a good job of portraying like extreme skepticism but like willing to buy in when she finds the body of mm-hmm. the guidance counselor and she's like okay but you could just see that she does not really believing ginger's story or like yeah. but she's willing to kind of go along with it but then when, then when she kills the guidance counselor it's just right in her face and mm-hmm. with a guy who had a previously saved her from like a dangerous interaction with jason when he was like mid-transformation and he like stuck her in a closet and the janitor came and helped so they did a good job of making it the janitor someone that you saw around a few times and he was obviously like a kindly old man mm-hmm. and harmless and that was something i thought was a good job of using someone who could was like essentially kind of like a bit character and i didn't see it necessarily i actually you know i didn't predict that ginger would kill him but by the time she did i cared that she did yeah i agree i think this scene's a really good a really good scene to show bridget's character growth and like i said it's a very it's been very subtle where she's like doing things outside of ginger and now she's having her own agency she's coming she's doing her own thing she's becoming more independent and there's that scene where they're literally now fully at opposition with each other where ginger's like hey we can be our own pack you know we we you know we had our promise out by 16 or dead on the scene what's the, oh god what's the rest of it out by 16 or dead on the scene but together forever united against life as we know it ginger said i would die for you and bridget goes no you said you'd die with me because you had nothing better to do yep and i just she's love a that bitch. she is she's a, such a fucking bitch they're trying she's to like turn a teenage it. girl like yeah. she's a bitch but like yeah it's like the other girl just takes her too seriously and yeah. it's just like you know it's an interesting like interplay for sure yeah ginger was always kind of a bitch but then <laughs> now she's like a psycho bitch yeah definitely it definitely goes from zero to one i mean it doesn't go zero to 100 it goes it's a very steady ramp up but by now she's at 100 and she's like yeah. full-blown the blue eyes she has the claws she's like being a werewolf is fucking awesome you kill people and you just like she equates it to like touching herself and it's just like this is and a little out there man. <laughs> yeah. 
Ah, so let's go to the Halloween party. This is when we get that the mom line saying, well, we'll just blow up the house and go start somewhere over, just us girls. And where Ginger tries to, like, assault Sam. Kill Sam. And she has extra dog nipples, which is weird. Terrifying. That is really weird. It's like she has the cool blonde hair, the cool wolf face, and you're like, whoa, she's all, like, dressed fancy. But then you're like, ah, she has six nipples. That's no bueno. (laughs) To Julia's point about Jennifer's body being a semi-shameless ripoff, it, watching that scene did remind me of the scene in Jennifer's body with Chip when Jennifer goes after him and he like kind of goes for it and it's like, which is like whatever. Like I don't, I didn't really like that he went for it. And then in this, it's like he's not even dating Bridget. Mm-hmm. They don't even seem to necessarily have like a, a romantic Romantic interest thing. in each yeah. other, but he's still not into the monster chick, and he's kind of like th- trying to be like not aggressive but not into it. And I thought that was like a much better way to play it. Whereas in Jennifer's body, it's like she goes up to her, her best friend's ex boyfriend of like a day, and he immediately goes for it, even though his girlfriend's been trying to warn her about how like off the rails Jennifer is, and that again stuff that just seems like it is written for the purpose of like developing a plot rather than like true to a character and like that's definitely a pet peeve of mine and i felt like ginger snaps did a good job of her going after sam definitely as revenge against her sister but sam like even though he doesn't have any like he's not dating bridget Mm -hmm. he's still like not into it which honestly why would he be he's like she's kind of she's terrifying she's terrifying and she's a werewolf yeah yeah he knows it yep <laughs> it is weird because there's a section where he feel he seems like he's almost hypnotized by her where he's just like ginger stop ginger get off me but then finally like snaps out, he's like get off and like actually throws her off mm-hmm. and he's like what the fuck you know and it made you just like him more yeah and, like, it did yeah it made you like i like felt like again that he was a good character and one who understood the stakes he recognized her as like a major threat and he wasn't going to be super aggressive because that would be the uh, bad call for the way she was but he also obviously wasn't into it and Mm -hmm. like he was i thought he was playing it pretty well yeah and then we get uh bridget shows up and she convinces ginger to go back home where there's more monkshood because she swaps blood with her they do like the almost like a reenactment but even though we didn't see the original suicide pact we know they cut their hands and did the thing and now they do that a second times but now to make bridget a werewolf and there's another great line where bridget has where she goes you wrecked everything for me that isn't about you now i am you i was like oh that brought me it brought us to hannibal hannibal in hannibal there's a really similar line between will and hannibal mm-hmm. yeah that it's like and she's and she's in hannibal and so she's in cool. hannibal yeah. so i think that that's definitely i feel like a, like a yeah. homage for yeah. sure and i love too they have the scene where they go outside and sam like smacks ginger across the face with a shovel and she's like i'm not gonna let you be a werewolf and she's like you idiot i was just trying to get her to the cure oh my bad i like that too because it's like normal just like whoops (laughs) and and that's like that's a miscommunication i can get behind Mm -hmm. because that's what makes sense like she has a plan in her head why would she say it out loud he no, have no way of knowing. You'd have that. no way yeah. of no. He'd have no way of knowing, and she'd also have no way of telling him because obviously it was kind of on the fly. And then it's like his reaction is logical given what he knows yep. and what he feels, mm-hmm. and her plan is logical given what she knows and she feels. So neither of them seem like an idiot or like they're ruining each other's like plans. Right. And it was a good reveal too because when she did the blood exchange, I'm like, no, why would you want to be one of those like monsters? That's terrible. And then to realize that it was all a ploy yeah. because she knew the cure work that. Mm-hmm. That, like worked on multiple levels i thought absolutely so they go back to the ginger the, the fitzgerald house we don't i have no clue where the dad is he's just out i guess 
Who cares? Um, the VFA. Or, I mean, that's VFA. Whatever. Prisoner of Foreign War. Oh, v, uh, VFW. VFW. Wow. That, that was hilarious. That was like you were trying. That's like you were playing Scattergories or something. <laughs> so we get, she, they were able to make more cure. It's kind of funny. They make the cure in like legit five seconds. It's just like, hey, you just throw it in the thing. You light the thing. Boom. You got cure. You use some heroin tricks. It kind yeah. of seemed like heroin-y based yeah. on my, like, my movie knowledge of heroin. Yeah. Based on that one episode of Breaking Bad. Or also, <laughs> or also, I was thinking Pulp Fiction. Mercury for a Dream. There's a few. There's a few. There's a few, there's a few that we're, we're cribbing off of. But poor, but poor Sam was not long for this world, my boy. I was very sad. I really wanted him to live because I felt at that point he'd earned it. Mm-hmm. Then I also felt like obviously him dying made sense narratively. But, I did, but I was sad. But I cared. I did care. One of the I IMDb did. facts that's randomly there and has nothing to do with the actual movie is someone's is there's one fact that's like Sam surviving the attack and becoming a werewolf hunter is a popular topic in fan fiction of this movie. And I was like, that's weird and oddly specific. Yeah. But okay. <laughs> I actually haven't, but I I would. <laughs> That's just like my default is go to TV tropes, go to fan fiction. Yep. I'll learn what I can. <laughs> I, I think the way he dies too is really weirdly haunting where he's just like doing that weird hitched breath. He's just like... <laughs> Oh, it seemed that. like a way someone would die. Yeah, it like, would it seem like really like awful. Well, it was like the first thing, and then you're like, oh, I guess he's dead. And then it's like, oh, he's not dead yet. Oh. Like, it was like, and then very, it's like Ginger's yeah. like using him as a trap to lure Bridget, it seems yeah. like. And then Bridget seems like she's going to give in to be like, fine, I'll just be with you, Ginger. I'll eat, I'll drink blood, but vomits the blood. Yeah. That was funny. That was funny. I liked it because it, like, it definitely wasn't like a direct parallel. It was like, oh, I'm Bridget and Julia's Ginger. It wasn't like that at all. But there were like some things that I felt like you could relate to, just probably on a human level mm-hmm. of like wanting to like kind of emulate someone or be like someone. And then obviously in this movie, it's on a much larger scale. So you're like vomiting blood or you're like, it's just yeah. like, I thought that it was like it brought, brought to like a, a different, like an absurd degree. It's but. almost like her body is forcing her to be her own person kind of thing. Yeah. Which is like so she knows how like wrong it is deep down. It's 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 good. It's good. Yeah, she's becoming her authentic self. Yeah. And I like that she was yeah, she became her authentic self and it was not motivated by a guy. Yeah. Which is like oh I feel like in most coming of age things with girls, it's like it's motivated by a romantic interest, typically a man, but like like because they didn't take the romantic angle Mm -hmm. with him, it made you kind of be like, Oh, I hope something happens with them (laughs) rather than like roll your eyes, which I normally do. It was like yeah, I'm oh, sorry. Go ahead. Chris. I was gonna Fine. say we've talked about this before. I think, but there's almost no nuance in a horror movie romance. They're all yeah. exactly the same story, just put into every single horror movie. So when a movie is like, "No, nah, we're not doing that. Screw that," I'm always like, "Thank you." Yes, and I'm always way more invested in oh, yeah. that. Like, look for that. It was like when uh, I think when they were making the cure in the closet, I was like, even though logically I was like, okay, he's probably going to die. Like that just like, I imagine that's what's going to happen. And he was brave. And he was very brave. And also I liked him before they went in. He was like, how would we just use the cure on you and leave? And she's like, no. And he's like, but like, that was like the, the question came from a completely natural place. And that was probably what they should have done. But I understand like why it didn't yeah. happen. But I like that choice in the character. It also wasn't framed as like a you and me, we'll just run away together. It was more just like, no. just save yourself and let's go. Let's get out of here. 
I got the impression as it went on that the transformation was permanent. Like, so she like it seemed like the guy who got hit by the car didn't like he was doing that for a, like or he or, like yeah it was he because mm-hmm. uncircumcised size penis. It's like that you turn into that and that's what you are. I think that that will do. Chris is is that correct? I'm or what do you think? not sure. I think it's not made clear in this one, but I think in the sequel, I think it's said that you turn. It's essentially like a month long process, but after the full moon, you basically come back to normalcy and then go through the whole month long process again. I could be wrong. I actually haven't seen the sequel. I want to, but... I, I generally avoid sequels except in the case of um, five Friday the 13th movies. <laughs> From what I've heard, both sequels to Ginger Snaps are both really good. It's actually one of the rare franchises where all the movies in it are good. I just oh, haven't really? seen it. The second takes off very shortly after this, and the third one is randomly like in the 1800s, and it's a prequel with both Catherine Isabel and Emily Perkins as sisters again. <laughs> Funny. Yeah. Maybe we should watch it. Yeah. All right. We'll get back on topic. So we're we're in the basement. Yes. Sam. We are, dead. Sam. Oh, he's he's. It's a shame. He's dead now. And I he's really like, wish he wasn't. Man, R.I.P. Rip. Press he's press seven hot. to pay respects or drop an F he's to pay really respects. He just seemed like a solid drug dealer. He also seemed like a pretty good botanist. And I'm just glad that the mother is nowhere to be seen. So that yeah. way she's not in this mortal danger. Yeah, she's safe. And she's at the Halloween party having a blast. <laughs> yeah, she's probably passing on cookies to the Halloween party. <laughs> and uh, we go into the Ginger and Bridget's room, and Bridget has both the cure and the knife that Ginger used to cut, we're trying to use to cut her tail off. And she, ha- she has that line to another great line that she is, where she yells at her. She says, I'm not dying in this room with you. Which is just like, again, that's what their pact was, essentially. And she's like, nope, this is, I'm finally, like, literally severing ties with my codependency to my, frankly, kind of abusive sister. Even if she wasn't a werewolf. Yeah, yeah you didn't see much before, but you're just like, before, you're just like, what's going on with these two bitches? Yeah. And I think they and did, like, she's a bitch, yes. but, like, they seem more equally paired at that point. Yeah. And then she, it's obviously way exaggerated once she becomes a werewolf. And I felt like, in hindsight, to me, it seemed like Ginger was really depressed and Bridget it was probably like depressed but not depressed at that level but just very attached to and dependent with like had a codependency mm-hmm. with her sister so ginger was seemed like fairly suicidal and bridget was kind of i seem i feel like being strong-armed into joining her on that yeah. and then it's like too weak so. and she was too weak and that's also like there's certain scenes where you feel like an innate sense of like discomfort because you feel like bridget's and i don't think it's ginger's doing it on purpose but like gin, like ginger's kind of like the alpha of the two of them and bridget's kind of just always trying to keep up or like be yeah. her equal and that could have ended very tragically in a different type of movie yeah and i do really appreciate i do like the fact that at the end Bridget has the knife and the cure and essentially decides to use the knife because she basically sees Ginger's too far gone. Even if I cure her, this mm-hmm. is not... What then? Yeah. Yeah, what then? So yeah. let me just use this knife and sort of get it over with. It, it, they made it seem like it could have been not her decision, but I feel mm-hmm. like it's telling that her instinct was to, to, use, stab, to stab the knife, to put that hand forward and not the the cure hand yeah and it was a decision to like like have some an empowering Mm -hmm. moment when she's been disempowered from that whole dynamic her whole life absolutely at this point though she i'm sure she could like try to replicate it but at this point sam's dead i'm not sure how much of the monks would they have left and yeah exactly the sister is seems like past the point of no return if you use the cure on her what then who knows if she's too far gone and then you've used the last of the cure Mm -hmm. and then what about yourself and then you're going to become a monster and like can you replicate the cure? Can you like, th- there's all those questions. And I think like, she probably couldn't even touch it after she was a werewolf. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, the other girl, 
because you touched it. Yeah, it was, yeah. So I think that was like a very, like, which ironic is obviously werewolf story, but like a very human element to it. And then also like putting herself first for once because the whole movie, like the whole movie, and ob- it's kind of obvious from their interactions that the, probably her whole life she's been in, not even in Ginger's shadow because she seems up Ginger's like, ass. Up Ginger's ass. Yeah. She seems really comfortable. Like she was, that, that was her comfort zone. She, well, like, she had like no resentment until like she didn't seem to have any sort of simmering resentment or anything like that strong arming or even no no it just just seems like she's again you don't see much before she turns Mm-hmm. But it did seem like they were essentially equals then. I yes. mean, we saw like one's mousy, one's more ballsy. It, it didn't like seem like there was an inherent, like one was under the other's thumb at first. But like, yes. obviously that wasn't the the movie. And they do a good job too of like, obviously Ginger gets period and then she gets mauled by this terrible beast. And then obviously everything unfolds. But it's from the mom's perspective and for a while from Ginger's perspective, it's that bridge is I'm jealous. And yeah. like Ginger's growing up and she's interested in boys and her body's changing and you're still like obsessed with your sister and frumpy and and so from other people's perspective it was just a very different dynamic Mm -hmm. which is obviously how it could have been if this was just like some teen drama instead of like a werewolf coming of age horror movie especially because like there's some scenes at the beginning where where emily has the where bridget has the giant jacket on she almost looks like that kid from a christmas story you know where she's clearly covered up and now she's like fully like into her own power she's being like i'm making the final say in this Mm -hmm. i'm putting myself first it's a it's a really good it's it's a very subtle but very cool character journey for her and i just think it's it's great i agree and i think that this movie does a good job of something of emphasizing something that i feel like sometimes gets lost in fiction which is that a strong female character doesn't have to be physically strong Mm -hmm. because bridget is like small and she's like a like a smaller woman and she's not it's a lot of like mental dexterity and that there's something but she's not like flipping tables over (laughs) and like performing feats of strength i feel like sometimes like the idea of a strong female character the idea of like a physical strength gets introduced in fiction a lot which i i'm not like it's not really good or bad but i feel like it really can be diminishing because obviously a person who isn't physically strong can still be like emotionally and mentally very strong and i think that that was something that was represented in this which often i feel like is underrepresented for sure it's probably my second favorite werewolf movie of all time behind uh dog soldiers we've got to watch that i've heard of that he, he told me it's on youtube for free yeah. so we gotta watch it <laughs> it's it's yeah. literally uh it's it's much more close to like aliens or a predator where it's a bunch of british and scottish soldiers going up against a pack of werewolves oh that sounds right and it's a lot of fun my boy spoon oh, we gotta watch it maybe tomorrow <laughs> I, I liked american werewolf american werewolf london's yes, good american wolf london. i like that but like you know not like i don't know i have ranked weird but i liked it i liked that that was weird and funny and a good soundtrack and i also felt like him being haunted by his best friend who was like steadily deteriorating mm-hmm. and rotting was like a cool move and it was also darkly funny so the, yeah. that was also like speed to tone that was a good tone that's the problem with werewolf movies they can either be which is what gender snaps subverts pretty well you can either have them take place over the course of over a month or one night because what do you do when they're not a werewolf? Yeah. That's why I really like the sort of subtle change in Ginger over the course of a month. Because it, it takes care of that problem where it's like, oh, she's never not a werewolf. She's mm-hmm. just not fully a werewolf yet. 
Yeah, I like and, that too. Because I guess that like makes the werewolf kind of like a weird, like not my favorite creature. Yes. You know, but, like I like some of it, but it's not like And some things yeah. like again embarrassing that mission, but like Teen Wolf, for example, they just obviously during the like the, during the full moon it's like they like have to transform or whatever, but they make it so they can like do werewolfy stuff the whole month because otherwise it would be boring. But you're right. It's like when there's a like a once a month kind of limit on their superpowers. Like that does make for like a pretty limited uh, creature feature. That's better suited for a character that has a lot more going on, and mm-hmm. that this is just part of their life. And then if you have a story going on, then obviously that that there's going to be some sort of inconvenience yeah. where that becomes like a bigger plot point. But and in this, I think that was another solid move they made in focusing on Bridget instead of focusing on Ginger because then they're focusing on the sister who's figuring things out and then like making another ally and trying to figure out how to cure her sister as her sister mm-hmm. realizes that she doesn't want to be cured yeah. and that adds like an interesting tension between her them. story is is technically it's not the most quote-unquote interesting story but it is in as we we're talking off mic and also people who listen to my last podcast know i was talking about midsummer and how i think all the characters are very passive protagonists who just kind of float through the movie Bridget mm-hmm. is anything but. She is constantly driving moving. action forward. She's constantly moving forward. So her actions dictate the plot in some ways. Even though she is reacting to Ginger somewhat, she's never just sitting back and letting whatever Ginger happens happen. She's like, okay, how do I stop it? Yeah. Boom, I got to keep going forward. Oh, it's a setback. How do I pivot from this? How do I move forward again? Mm-hmm. I like because even though in her interactions with Ginger, it seems like she's like the more passive partner after Ginger's been bit and she uh Bridget wants to go to the hospital when they're at when they're getting t- tampons Bridget's trying to get her out of the truck and stop smoking the weed Bridget's like knocking on the window when she's making out with a dude and to, like be like get the fuck out of there you don't know what you're gonna do you don't know what you're gonna do with this guy like Ginger's locking her in the bathroom because she doesn't want her to kill people I'm sorry Bridget's locking Ginger in the bathroom yeah. so even though like she's like mousy and like generally kind of like subordinate to her sister seems like that's kind of the history there she still is like what the fuck I want to protect my sister i care about my sister i also don't want her to kill other people or other dogs and it just that makes for like that makes her a much more interesting character and also again i feel like that's something that horror movies can get wrong and that's when they're not so good is just kind of losing the human element which is any person even like a huge dick bag if they had like the one if the closest person to them was undergoing this like horrific monstrous transformation you would be doing something about it even a super passive person people like the what you would be doing would vary it might even just be as little as like telling your mom something like that i think almost everyone would do something and a lot of movies and television shows just like have characters be like unrealistically passive and not do anything just for the sake of like forwarding the plot or forwarding the miscommunication trope yeah miscommunications is that's the worst way to progress a plot probably i completely agree julia mentioned earlier a good miscommunication in this that was uh between sam and bridget when sam thought bridget was sacrificing herself to be werewolf with sis- her sister and bridget was really doing a long con to get her yeah. sister back to the house to get her cured and that was like that made sense yeah that was good but you know so that's gonna do it for this week's episode of the professional horror podcast i'd like to thank my guests megan and julia once again for being on the show with me because they're they're awesome they rock you guys are welcome on the show anytime love to have you guys on again and thank you for being here with us as well i love this movie i love talking about movies and i hope you loved hearing us talk about this movie as well as a few sidetracks i'm sure (laughs) 
Be sure to follow me on Twitter at the underscore Don underscore 17 and on Instagram at professional horror. And if you have any comments or suggestions you want to throw my way, email me at professional horror at gmail.com and follow and review the show on whatever crap you get podcasts on, you know, all the apps, Apple, Spotify. There's a lot of stuff. There's a lot of admin at the end of episodes and I will be back. (laughs) And I will be back in two weeks with another spooky Halloween episode with another guest. But until then, stay scary, but keep it professional.